Welcome to Have Hope Will Travel. I'm your host, Katie Axelson. Today we're going to take on the topic of healing. The entire topic right now in one podcast episode. Just kidding, that episode would be like three hours long and podcasts are timestamped, so you already know this episode is not three hours long. We're going to talk about it probably for a couple of weeks, which means if I don't hit your topic today, hit me over on Instagram at Katie Axelson and say, hey Katie, when are we going to talk about fill in the blank? Because we can't take on the whole concept of healing in one episode, so we'll talk about it in chunks. But I also know the topic of healing can be really triggering for people. And if that's you, take a step back and spend the time with the Lord. Also know that I'm producing this episode three years, almost three years into a hip injury that it took us two years to even get a diagnosis on. So I'm with you. Also recognize that our member of our Have Hope Will Travel ministry team battles through chronic pain and she's going to share her story in the next episode. So healing doesn't always look like what we expect, but I genuinely believe that it is always God's will to heal. Sometimes God heals through miracles. Those are awesome. We've got some stories we're going to share of miraculous healings today as well. I had an article in Divine Purpose magazine this month. It talks about when I did not have the faith to heal, God still healed. I was praying over somebody and I didn't have a mustard seed of faith and I saw him healed. You can find the whole story at divinepurposemagazine.com. It's always God's will to heal and sometimes he does it instantaneously in a miracle. And sometimes God heals through medicine. It is an incredibly powerful tool that he has given us in modern medicine. And I have personally experienced the power of healing through medicine in ways that I could never even imagine. And it's nothing short of miraculous the way that brains work to be able to know, oh, this is going to help this issue. It's remarkable. And sometimes God heals the hearts of the brokenhearted. Because healing didn't happen in the way that we thought. Because we still have pain. Because our loved one still died. I've seen and experienced healing in all three capacities. And my rule of thumb when it comes to pursuing healing is say a prayer and take an Advil. Because frankly, I don't really care which works. Healing's still coming. Through that prayer, through that Advil, it doesn't matter to me. Healing still comes. The first time I ever experienced prayerful healing was one of those say a prayer taken Advil nights. Was at a ministry training where they fire hoses with information literally all weekend long. Friday, Saturday, Sunday. On Saturday around dinner time, they finally gave us a break all of 30 minutes which was just long enough to realize how terrible we felt. It was spring. My allergies were awful. I couldn't intake any more information. My head was throbbing. We still had a training session that night. The responsible adult decision would have been to go to bed and get notes from somebody in the morning. But that's not what I did. I've got some people-pleaser tendencies, and they were in full force that night. I remember sitting on the couch getting ready for the training session with my head in my hands, because this was before coronavirus and we were allowed to touch our faces, with my eyes closed, having a conversation, trying to maintain some semblance of order. It was one of those conversations I could have that didn't require my brain, because that's all the power I had. And as I walked to the last training session, I took an Advil and I whispered aloud to myself, Jesus, you're going to have to do something. 
I was desperate. I didn't know what else to do. It was not the first time I had taken medication that day. It was time for the next dose. The first set didn't really help. I had very little hope for that Advil that I swallowed. We get to the session, and the session leader says, who here has a headache? And my hand shot in the air so fast. And then he said, if you've got a headache, come up to the front. That's not what was supposed to happen. Speakers always ask if their audience has a headache so that they can judge where their audience is and then decide, I'm going to make this quick, but they never actually do. If they say they're going to make this quick, that's a good cue for the fact that it will not indeed be quick, she said with a microphone in her hand. So, of course, I tried to pull my hand back down and hide. That wasn't going to happen. My team already knew I felt terrible. The speaker knew me by name. He'd already seen my hand. So he said, come up to the front. So I went up to the front, and those stage lights were really helpful for my headache. And he said, we're going to pray over you guys who aren't feeling well today. And that's when it clicked. I was at a ministry that believes in prayerful healing. I'm just some Lutheran girl. I don't know how this works. No, you take an Advil, you sit back down, you move on, you push through, you go to bed, whatever it is that you do. You don't pray for healing. And I realized that I was about to experience something that I did not have the emotional capacity or the physical capacity to try to experience that particular night. So I came up with a strategy. My strategy was to look like I was really into my worship. Because who's going to interrupt the woman who is worshiping her heart out even though she's got a throbbing headache? Hands are up in the air. I am so into it, singing every lyric at the very top of my lungs. In my head, I'm making a list of things that I do not want to experience. Jesus, I don't want to experience this. Jesus, I don't want to experience that. Jesus, definitely none of this. Jesus, we're not going there. And that worked for about 12 seconds. And a woman grabbed my hand. And she said, I'm going to anoint you with oil. And in my head, I went, crap. That was none of my list of things I do not want to experience today. And my face must have said that was okay because my mouth sure didn't say anything. And so she prayed for me and she put some oil on my head and she left. Okay, phew, survived that one. But now what do I do? Because I've been prayed for, so do I go sit back down? But my head still hurts, so do I stay here? And those stage lights are really bright in my eyes. So do I go sit down? But the speaker knows me by name, so if I do it wrong, I'm going to get called out. What do I do? I know, people-pleasing tendencies, just a little bit. And so as I was standing there trying to decide what to do, the speaker came and wrapped his sweaty arms around me and prayed for me again. And then he's about to leave and he turns to me and he's like three inches from my face. I know everyone's just a little stressed because we're in a pandemic when that is way too close. It was really close at the time too. And he goes, how's your head? And I said better, which was true, but there was definitely improvement. And he said, but is it gone? Meaning my headache, not my head. I still had my head. And I said, yes. It was a lie. I definitely 100% lied. I've since told him this story and apologized and we're good. But I ran back to my seat and I hid. And it was just one little three-letter lie that got me out of a really awkward situation. And that's where the story ended for several years. I've told that story many, many times. And it wasn't until two or three years later when I was reflecting on that night again and realizing that that's actually not the end of the story. Because when we got back to our bunks that night, 
all the other women were complaining about how long that last session went. It actually went an hour over when it was scheduled. And they're going, oh my gosh, he should have just landed the plane. And somebody else goes, yeah, I couldn't take it anymore. I just had to leave. And they're like, they should have let us out an hour ago. Now we're not getting any sleep tonight. We're just back and forth complaining. And I'm looking at them one at a time. And my brain is just struggling to process what they're saying. Because I hadn't even noticed the session had gone so long. Usually I'm really on top of things like that. I actually was glad he hadn't landed the plane because I was thoroughly enjoying the session for literally the first time all weekend. My headache was gone. Whether it was the Advil or whether it was the prayer, whether it was the oil, frankly, I don't care. The headache was gone. And for the first time all day, I felt good. I wasn't ready for bed. I wanted to keep the day going. I was thoroughly enjoying that session that went so far long. And I think that's a picture of Jesus. Because he healed that night so that I could receive the ministry that was being offered. Not just in the time of prayer. Those stage lights really were not nice for my eyes. But through the rest of the session, my world changed that day. I had an encounter with Jesus. In Luke 5, Jesus has an encounter with a man with leprosy. I'm reading from the NIV today simply for the deep theological reason of that is the Bible right here in front of me. Starting in verse 12, it says, While Jesus was in one of the towns, a man came along who was covered with leprosy. When he saw Jesus, he fell with his face to the ground and begged him, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said, be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him. Then Jesus ordered him, do not tell anyone, but go show yourself to the priest and offer a sacrifice that Moses commanded of you for cleansing, a testimony to them. Then the news about him spread all the more. So the crowds of people came to hear him and to be healed of their sicknesses. But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places to pray. Jesus heals this man. Did you catch what the man said requesting the healing? He said, Lord, if you are willing. Not Lord, if you can. Lord, if you're able. Lord, if you are willing. And you all know I like the Passion Translation. In the Passion Translation, Jesus' response is, of course I am willing. And then Jesus sends him to do the cleansing acts that the law of Moses required of him. The Jewish law has a lot of different details, and there are some details that this man needed to work through. Jesus also says, don't tell anyone. And when I read this, I hear Dumbledore in my head, where he says, what happened between you and Professor Quirrell is a complete secret, which means naturally, the whole school knows. Because that's what we see here in scripture. Yet the news about him spread all the more. So the crowds of people came to hear him, this is Jesus, to be healed of their sicknesses. I don't ever see in scripture a time when someone approaches Jesus and asks for healing and Jesus says no. There's a little bit of an awkward moment where he sort of calls a woman a dog. And then there's the John 11 thing where he doesn't immediately go to Lazarus. Lazarus ends up being dead for four days. 
which is actually really significant because in Jewish culture, you checked on a body on day three to make sure the person was really dead. So on day four, Lazarus is dead, dead. Not just maybe dead, dead, dead. And Jesus brings him back to life. So it didn't happen immediately, but it still happened. We see in the Old Testament too, Numbers 21, when the Israelites are being attacked by snakes. He creates the pole with the snake on it, not Jesus, he, Moses, he, creates the pole with the snake on it, and everyone who looks upon it is healed. That actually became the symbol for medic these days. It's always God's will to heal. Yeah, but Katie, Timothy had this stomach problem, and Paul, he had a problem that we don't really know a lot about. Yeah, I know. I don't know why God heals some and doesn't heal others. I don't know why that headache went away that day and I still have a hip injury. I don't know why we're still in a pandemic. But this is where we have to trust that it's always God's will to heal because God is always good. We're not going to unpack the theology of why bad things happen today. That is a different podcast for a different episode. But we're going to lean into what scripture tells us about God. Because right away in Genesis, from the very creation, we see scripture saying that we were made in God's image. And I don't think that physically means we look like God. He's got one head, two eyes, a nose, a mouth, two arms, two legs, blah, blah, blah. Jesus does. But God the Father? I don't know. Maybe he does. But I think that scripture says that we were meant to be like him. Have you ever noticed that in Genesis 1, God speaks things into existence? And then in Genesis 2, he picks up some dirt and he forms man. God got his hands dirty creating us. He's invested in us. He breathes into Adam's nostrils the breath of life. Our very breath is the breath of God. The Greek word for breath is pneuma. It's what we get pneumonia from. It's also a word for the Holy Spirit. In Hebrew, it's ruach. Similar connotations. The Holy Spirit is every breath we breathe. So when we're struggling to breathe, whether it's physical or metaphorical, we have to remember that God's desire is to heal. And he's healing through our very breath. I recognize that as I'm producing this, we are in the middle of a pandemic for a respiratory virus. Coronavirus is very real. I've got a sister who's an ICU nurse. I've got another good friend who's a physician. I am very well aware of the horrors of the coronavirus. And I'm doing everything I can to prevent the spread. You can follow along on Instagram if you want to see. I actually test myself for COVID every week. It's a little bit of a weird thing. We're in a pandemic. But it's still God's will to heal. A couple years ago, before COVID-19, I developed what I can only refer to as an allergy to night. Every night around 9 p.m., I would start coughing and wheezing. At first, I thought I was just getting a cold, but it didn't go away. It stayed all night long for several days. Everyone who heard me asked if I was okay. I always said yes, but usually I actually wasn't. I would cough and wheeze through the night. It's around 8 a.m. when it would wear off. I'd be totally fine. I had no symptoms during the day. I was perfectly fine. I was working out. I was active. 
absolutely fine until 9 p.m. Didn't matter where I was. I could tell time by it. I knew it was 9 p.m. because I would start coughing and wheezing and I could not catch my breath. Days turned into weeks and so I went to the doctor and I said, hey, this is what's going on. But of course, my appointment was not between 9 p.m. and 8 a.m. The doctor was like, you're fine. And I was like, but I'm not. And he's like, well, you live in a house built in 1970 and you have a cat. So either replace all the carpet in your house, move, get rid of the cat or take an allergy pill. And I was like, that's helpful. I didn't go back to that doctor. But I did start taking Benadryl almost every night. I kept it on my bedside table because if I started coughing and wheezing and the Benadryl was downstairs, I couldn't breathe to go down and get it. I started living like someone who has a cat allergy. I didn't sit in soft seating. I made sure to clean off my clothes anytime I left. I washed my hands way more than I ever thought possible, and then we had a pandemic, and now I'm learning that I can wash them more. I would leave places before 9 o'clock at night because I didn't want to hear people ask me if I was okay. I usually wasn't. I really should have been in the emergency room many, many times. It woke me up throughout the night, and when it woke me up, I couldn't read. I couldn't pray. I couldn't do anything but sit there and stare at the clock. Because at 8 a.m., I knew it was gone. Sometimes I'd fall asleep in the chair. Sometimes 8 a.m. would hit, I'd crawl back in bed and sleep soundly for several more hours. I did all the things the internet said to do. The only conclusion I could come to is that I was allergic to night. I'd had people pray for me. I had tried all the things. I learned that your breathing is actually the weakest at 4 o'clock in the morning, and conveniently, that's when I was waking up every day. The whole thing didn't make any sense, but it was driving me bonkers. One day, I happened to mention it to a pastor friend who's also a nurse. And she goes, Katie, that doesn't even make any sense. I was like, yeah, I know. Welcome to my life. Come spend a night at my house, and I'll show you, because I definitely cough and wheeze from 9 p.m. till 8 a.m. every single night. And she goes, Katie... You can't be allergic to the cat. You've had cats your whole life. And I was like, yeah, I know. I'm just trying to keep my roommate's cat out of my bedroom. And she's like, this happens everywhere you go at 9 p.m., not just when you're at home, right? And I was like, yep. And she goes, that's demonic. And she knows more about health than I do, and so I just trusted her. And she said, it's going to go away tonight. And so I humored her, and I let her pray over me, you know, as if I hadn't already sought prayerful healing. And I leaned on her faith, because I didn't have any of my own. But she was right. The coughing and the wheezing stopped that night. It has never happened since. I saw God heal in that moment. I didn't have the faith to believe it. I leaned on her faith. And God still healed. And I praise him for that. And he grew my faith that day because I knew how real that coughing and that wheezing was I knew how little sleep I was getting because it kept waking me up I knew how obnoxious it was to keep Benadryl on my bedside table I knew how difficult it was to keep this cat out of my space and yet all of a sudden it didn't matter anymore all that mattered was Jesus and I was free I don't know why God sometimes heals and sometimes doesn't because I was healed from that quote-unquote night allergy in an instant but I still have a hip injury and I've seen four doctors and five physical therapists and we finally know what it is 
but it's still achy all the time. I do my exercises every single day and it still hurts. I sought peripheral healing for it several times, but especially about a year ago. I was prayed for after church and I felt my hip heal. I don't know how to explain it other than things that I used to not be able to do, I could do. I used to not be able to go for a walk. I literally could walk for 25 minutes and I had to stop. Swimming in the Red Sea, I didn't think I was going to be able to get back to the boat. I can walk for 45 minutes to an hour now, but I still can't go for a run. I'm still constantly achy. And when I went for an MRI, as I pulled into the parking lot, somehow I hit the volume on my stereo and the music is going full blast and I'm like trying to park the car. And when I paused, turned the volume down, turned my car off, said, Jesus, what was that all about? And he said, what was the line? And I said, nothing is impossible for you, God. That was the lyric that was blaring through my speakers as I was parking at the clinic for an MRI. And I said, okay, I'm going to lean on the faith that nothing is impossible, that we're going to finally get an answer for why my hip hurts, that it's going to be clear that it's not going to be a huge issue. And when I went to the MRI, they asked what kind of music I wanted to listen to. And I said, worship music. Now listen, to me, worship music and Christian music are two different things. Like, I kind of wanted to be like, can you just play this playlist? Because I don't want to hear other stuff that some people might put on a worship music playlist. And I actually was really excited about having an MRI because I was like, I'm an introvert. I can just lay here with Jesus for an hour. This is going to be awesome. Yeah, I can stay still. That's totally fine. They gave me one of those nice warm blankets. It was actually a really good experience. Well, there were some silly parts of it too. I'll tell you those stories on Instagram because I'm already distracted enough. So first couple songs are like Good Good Father and Oceans and worship songs that I have sung a bajillion times. And so I'm like laying there just remembering floating on the Sea of Galilee, singing Good Good Father, the hills, the mountains, everywhere that I've sung, oceans. Spirit, lead me where your trust is without borders. Yeah, I've passed a lot of borders singing that song. And then we get to the end. And there's a song that I hadn't heard in a really, really long time. It's a song that I would not have put on a worship playlist, yet there it was. It was a song from a band called Mercy Me, called Bring the Rain. Back in high school, I knew every single word 15 years ago. Haven't heard it since then. And the line that caught my attention that day is maybe since my life was changed long before these rainy days to turn my back on you, O Lord, that's never really ever crossed my mind. And it occurred to me that I was so frustrated with this hip, that I was so frustrated that I couldn't go for a walk. I'm 30 years old. I should be able to walk as much as I want. That I was mad at God about it. And so I spent the rest of the afternoon repenting, And telling him how much I trust him, and how much I love him, and how much even if my hip is not healed, he is still good, and he is still faithful. And I got the MRI results. Well, we had a diagnosis. And it was honestly the best one that we could have had from the potential outcomes. But it's one of those injuries that just has to eventually go away. There's not a lot that can be done for it. There's a surgery option, but it's not a super great long-term solution. 
And so I'm still doing physical therapy. I don't know how much money I've spent on PT co-pays. I've been seeing this particular therapist so long that we're running out of things to talk about. But I can go for a walk. I can play tennis. It doesn't love it, but I can do it. I can't go for a run, but frankly, I don't like running anyway, so it's not that big of a loss. So I say thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, that even though my hip is not fully healed, I can do more things than I used to be able to do. Thank you, Jesus, that even though I still have pain, I know that it's nothing serious. Thank you, Jesus, that you have healed me. Because what I experience in the physical and what I know in the spiritual don't line up right now. But I'm going to trust what I know in the spiritual. And the spiritual says that my identity is that of the daughter of the Lord. The spiritual says that my identity is beautiful and perfect and made whole and made new. And even though I don't experience that yet in the physical, I can still say, thank you, Jesus. Because it's not my effort, it's not my wordsmithing, it's not even my faith that's healing. It's God's goodness and his love. So even on the hard days, I say thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I just finished rereading a book called Overcome by Jason Redman. He's a Navy SEAL who was severely injured in combat. And he talks about how once he got to the point in his recovery, when it was healthy for him to return to the gym... He wanted to quit because he had fought so hard for recovery, but the gym was triggering. He'd been in the best shape of his life when he was injured. And now going to the gym was a painful memory of how his body used to work and how broken it had become. He would never be able to do most of the things that he used to be able to do. He had no motivation. But if he wanted to continue to heal, he needed to learn to move forward. So he sought to figure out what his new 100% would be. His old 100% was his his body before the accident. His new 100%, he didn't yet know. So he safely pushed his own limits to find it. And finding 100% became his motivation. He couldn't compare his former body to his new body, but he could push the limits on his new body to explore and uncover what he could do. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Someday, I hope that I can run again. Run again as if I ever ran the first time. Someday, I hope that my hip doesn't cause me as much trouble as it does right now. But for now, I'm going to find the new 100%. And it might look different than it was yesterday. Every day can't be a personal best. But I went to spin class, and my hip didn't hurt. I played tennis, and my hip let me play. I went for an hour-long walk, and I didn't limp home. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I don't know where you sit right now. What kind of healing that you're waiting for from the Lord. But I encourage you to spend some time with him. To tell him what you want the new 100% to be. And then to use the means he's provided to go after it. Whether that means is physical therapy, whether that means is medication, whether that means is having more days off than normal, a lighter schedule, 
whether that means is pushing your limits, whatever it looks like, I want you to pursue it. And I want you to pursue the Lord. And I want you to meet with him while you're journeying through healing. And celebrate and praise him for the moments when he has healed spontaneously. Say a prayer and take an Advil. Let him meet you in the places where it's still hard. Let him be the source of your healing in whatever capacity that looks like. And just say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Don't ask God to heal you. Declare that he has healed you. Declare, like the man that we see in Luke 5, say, Lord, if you are willing. We know God is willing. Of course I am willing, Jesus says. So declare it and say, thank you, Jesus, for your willingness to heal me. Declare healing over your body and over your mind in whatever capacity that looks like for you today. Even if your circumstances don't change, God is still worthy of being praised today. He's not withholding healing, waiting for you to figure out what this spiritual diagnosis is or for you to forgive somebody or for you to solve some problem. Sometimes that happens. But if it does, you probably already know what's going on. It's not like he's like, hey, go figure out this puzzle. You don't have any idea what it looks like, and I'm not going to tell you. No, that's not God. He's a good father who wants to see you thriving, who wants to see you doing the best that you can in the circumstances that you're in. Sometimes our circumstances don't change, but healing can still come. I know for me, On days when I've got a lot of hip pain or if I've got a headache or the nights when I couldn't breathe, a prayer that I found really powerful reminded me of God's goodness and let his breath flow through me. And it said, Jesus, I bring my body into alignment underneath my soul. I bring my soul into alignment underneath my spirit. I bring my spirit into alignment underneath the Holy Spirit. And then I let Holy Spirit run through my body. It takes my mind off of my pain, even if the pain doesn't go away. It renews my mind. Scripture talks about that, renewing your mind. It invites Holy Spirit to breathe in and out of me, like we talked about the word ruach. Holy Spirit, breathe in and out of me. It's a pause. It's a refresh. It's not a condemnation of now my body needs to obey God, and if it's not obeying God, there's something wrong with me. No. It's a pause and a stepping point. And a reminder that God is still on the throne and he is still love and he still loves me and I am still submitting myself to him. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. And praise God. Let Holy Spirit rule and reign in your body. And then take an Advil or whatever your drug is of choice, preferably a legal one. And thank God for the chemists whose brains were able to create that particular combination and thank God for the doctors and the nurses who are able to say hey this is what's going to help you and thank God for the pharmacists who are able to make sure that you've got the prescription that's been provided for you and thank God for the way that he works even when we have pain and thank him that we know that he is good even when we haven't experienced his healing today we know that he is love declare it over yourself Declare it over your life. Declare it over your body. Declare it over the people in your world. And let's continue to fight 
for that new 100% together. If you found this podcast to be helpful, if you found it challenging, if you found it encouraging, let me know. You can find me on Instagram at Katie Axelson. I'm also on Facebook, Katie Axelson Writer. And of course, my home base on the internet is katieaxelson.com. I'd love to hear your story. Have you experienced prayerful healing? Are you waiting for your prayerful healing? How are you pushing to find your new 100%? How many more questions can I ask you that you might all need to answer right now? We're in this together, my friend. And as I mentioned earlier, we've got a story of chronic pain coming again in two weeks. I'm so excited to get to share Casey with you because she's an important member of our team and I absolutely love the work that she does. And I absolutely love what she has to share with all of us. I'm so glad she stepped in front of the microphone for this one episode. If this podcast resonated with you, leave a rating, leave a review, send it to a friend, say, hey, how can I pray for you? Hey, how have you experienced prayerful healing? Hit that subscribe button. We'll see you again in two weeks.